Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thank you so much for your time, as always. A pleasure to have you on this Sunday afternoon. We've got a great guest to kick off. It's a book. The title, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. We'll talk with author H.W. Crocker coming up. And the interesting thing is this is not a new release, but maybe today as timely as ever. So we'll get to that. We could not do programs like this without our presenting sponsor. Thanks, as always, to attorney John Boson at Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N, BosonLaw.com, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day and their phone number, 303 999 9999. And as always, we appreciate your time, attention, and uh, this is the American Veteran Show online, AmericanVeteranShow.com. So when I think of Robert E. Lee in the modern sense, modern being, let's say, the last five to ten years, I think of statues being torn down. Let's welcome in author H.W. Crocker. We told you the book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. It's a pleasure to have you on the American Veteran Show, sir, and thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, do you concur that of late, you know, if you're 20-something, you hear this Robert E. Lee, and it is just, oh, my God, this guy is, you know, we got to tear down his statue. It makes me sick. Yeah, well, me too. I, I will confess, I am 62 years old. And if, I, if you were to ask me what two things have most changed in my lifetime, one would be all this transgender nonsense. <laughs> that I <didn't> agree. <laughs> yes. But the other would be... Um, is our changing view of the American Civil War. I mean, from its end in 1865, the next roughly 100 and some odd years, at least the 20th century, um, there was the, the American view, not the Southern view, the American view, the consensus American view, was that this was a tragic American Iliad, right? With, with noble Greeks on one side fighting noble Trojans on the other. Mm. In fact, people, I mean, famous people said this all the time. Teddy Roosevelt, who had a Southern mother and a Northern father who was old enough to have served in the Civil War but didn't, uh, um, 
said, you know, we can take pride as Americans in both the glory that was won by the boys in blue and the glory won by the blue boys who were the gray. Mm -hmm. And Robert E. Lee was as much an American hero, so was Stonewall Jackson, Jeb, Jeb Stewart, a lot of these guys. And their statues went up and were honored by Franklin Roosevelt, Dwight David Eisenhower as president kept Robert E. Lee's portrait, his picture, in his in the Oval Office. Mm, wow. <laughs> he, he called Lee one of the four greatest Americans um, and said he would never be separated from him. Lee lost his citizenship after the war. It was restored, overwhelming bipartisanship by Congress in 1975, signed back in the, <laughs> with, uh, affirmed by President Ford. It, it wasn't a party political thing. In fact, you can find the major... If you were to name two of the greatest liberal historians of the 20th century, you'd probably name Samuel Elliott Morrison and Henry Steele Commager, who are both like Harvard-educated, Harvard teacher, professor types. Um, both celebrate Robert E. Lee, think the Confederacy was this, you know, gosh, weren't they the underdogs? Weren't they great in their own way? <laughs> At the same time, you know, venerating Lincoln and the, and the restoration of the Union and Grant and everything else. So how we got from this sense of of shared national unity and heroism and to, to what is now, to my view, to my view as a popular historian, what we have now, and, and it, 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 it's, it's virtually universal in institutions, and it's certainly overcome many, many young people, is this critical race theory view of the world war. I mean, it's not just even, it's less than cartoonish. You used to think it was cartoonish. It's just sheer mean-spirited propaganda, which means not just to topple those statues, which in my mind is bad enough, but as we've seen and, and could have been predicted, it's to unravel all of American history. Correct. Correct. Our, and, our, our guest is author H.W. Yeah. Crocker, the book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. And, you know, I, I have said on this program and on our regular uh, talk show program Monday through Friday, uh, here on this very radio station, 4 to 7 Mountain Time. I have said, folks, no matter how much the whack job left, the critical race theory experts and instigators, uh, no matter how much they want to revise history, they can try in their minds to be revisionist history buffs, but guess what? They're not going to change anything. I'm, I'm curious your reaction to that. No, well, I mean, they're, they're not, well... They are changing things in the sense that they are destroying these monuments. They're vandalizing our sure, past. They're sure. politicizing our past. But they are also falsifying our past. And this is what really troubles me, is that you, 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 you know, if you, if you read a, a book like, say, the Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind was a Pulitzer Prize-winning novel. Okay? Gone with the Wind will give you a much more accurate view of the war as it actually was <laughs> than anything published, I would guess, in the last 20 years, perhaps. <laughs> Except for my own books, of course. But, <laughs> but, but I, and it's because everything has become reduced to racism, racism, yes, racism, yes. all it's all about, which is just insane. And the, the attitude that we have now, or many people have now to the Confederacy and Robert E. Lee, is much harsher than the attitude of the people who actually fought in the war. Say that there again. A, Say that yeah, again. But, but get this. There is a monument at Arlington Cemetery for the Confederacy. That monument went up under President McKinley, who fought for the Union. That monument is now in danger of being taken down, as we speak, by the end of this year. There's a piece in the Wall Street Journal by Jim Webb, Marine Corps veteran, former Secretary of the Navy, warning about this. Yes. Because of this insane effort to strip Confederate uh, generals' names and just Confederates, the Confederates everywhere out of our history, out of every military base, out of schools, out of everything. 
to the point that even Traveler was Lee's famous horse. Lee said he could not have survived the war if he hadn't been able to ride out an old Traveler all the time. Traveler is buried at Washington and Lee University, what was Washington College. Lee took it over after the war. It, he's buried right next to Lee Chapel, where the Lee family is buried. They, Washington Lee University has removed Traveler's gravestone and a plaque honoring. They won't even, leave, even let horses alone. I mean, the, people who are robbing memorials to heroic dead, people who are, who are being like body snatchers, grave robbers, like yeah. this, these are not well-intentioned people. And what they are spreading is poison. I mean, they're spreading poison that is despoiling our view of American history in you know, that old line, if you control, he who controls the past controls the future. That's what they're trying to do. No one takes their heritage from you unless they want to sell you a bill of goods, unless they want to lie to you. And, and that's, what we're getting, that's what we're getting right now. We're getting yeah. a bunch of heinous lies about what America is and was. In our next segment, we will get into the book itself, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. Our guest, author H.W. Crocker, uh, the book put out through uh, one of our sister companies uh, under the Salem Media Group umbrella, and that would be Regnery Publishing. You know, you said something in the couple minutes we have uh, before our first break. You said something a few moments ago. I literally wrote it down because it's literally and figuratively, and I know you know that. That's why you said it. You said vandalizing our past. Can you expand on that? Yeah, no, I mean, when those statutes went up for Robbie Lee and Stonewall Jackson and and all the others, I mean, again, these were not just uh, symbols of regional patriotism, of southern patriotism. These men were raised up as American heroes and more than just great military leaders, I should add. The reason why they were cast in these heroic postures is because they were seen as men of, of great, specifically Christian character. And that is help, what helped propel them beyond being just Confederate heroes. You know, Stonewall Jackson ran a school for, for black kids. I mean, he ran a, a black Sunday school. Robert E. Lee was known as, you know, as the marble man, even with his lifetime, with his lifetime, because he was regarded as, gosh, what a, what a perfect paragon of, sort of Christian stoicism. And that's, I mean, it's, maybe in the next segment we get on this, it's the character of these men. Yeah that in being besmirched is, is really one of the most awful things about it, is these were men we should be admiring and, in fact, should be emulating. And, in fact, young people in particular can learn a heck of a lot about how to live their own lives by following their example, learning about who they really were. Yeah, amen. We'll wrap up this first segment. When we come back, we continue our discussion, This American Veteran Show, with author H.W. Crocker, his book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. That's coming up next. Stay with us. This is The American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. We continue this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Look, I've made no bones about it. We love focusing on veterans and military charities and whatever we can, uh, active duty as well. 
one of the tenets of this program also is to be maybe a mini history lesson. And this is that type of episode. We continue our conversation with author H.W. Crocker, his book that came out uh, about 25 years ago, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. You can get it online. It's put out by our sister company, Regnery Publishing. And, you know, in our first segment, you mentioned things like vandalizing our past and this revisionist history crap that I get. Those are my words, you know, revisionist history crap that the, the, the younger generation right now would just as soon erase from history all that may have been controversial, etc. I want to I get into you, uh, Harry, with the following first. What type of leader, and I don't know if you have to distinguish back then or compared to today's standards, but what kind of leader was Robert E. Lee? Well, that's actually insane. <laughs> I know it's the subject of my book, but it's actually very interesting because um, Robert E. Lee, of course, was an officer, served the military virtually his entire life, and then became an educator later on. Um, anyway, and was a superintendent at West Point at one time. But uh, for a man who's used to giving orders and used to being obeyed and used to using force, he was a man who was also the epitome of uh, what you know, a great historian James McPherson said was the Virginia gentleman that did so much to shape this country. Mm. And he believed that, this is Lee, believed that what marked a gentleman was the forbearing use of his advantages of force in particular. So that if you were strong, you didn't lord it over the weak. If you were super intelligent, you didn't lord it over those who were less intelligent. And he believed that it was, it was a primary thing about being an American was that you led by persuasion. Americans did not violate other people's consciences. They did not force people to do things. They tried to persuade them, and in, him, in his mind, especially through Christian moral suasion, to do the right thing and to, and to lead by example. So that when Lee, for example, decided to leave, to join his own state, join Virginia, when, the, when, the, when it seceded from the Union, he, he said that his own sons should not necessarily follow his example. They should make up their own minds. Hmm. If I have done wrong... Let them do better. And in fact, when his decision to leave, remember, when, when Lee leaves the, leaves to join Virginia, leaves the, the American army, it is under circumstances that are extraordinary. Lee, again, has served the, in the army his entire life. He went to West Point, superintendent at West Point, fought the Mexican War. He's offered command of the Union forces. And he turns it down. And he turns it down in words that I think, or I'm going to paraphrase his words from memory, but I think that every well-meaning American can sympathize with. He says, you know, for all my love for the Union, and he said, I, also, he said, I, I want no other flag but the stars and stripes, no other anthem but Hail Columbia. He was also, by the way, incidentally opposed to slavery. That was a famous letter he wrote four years before the war where he talks about it being a tremendous evil. Hmm. Uh, but in, in any event, but he's often, he says, for all my love for the Union, for all his uh, opposition to secession in principle, he said, I cannot consent to turn my sword against my family, my home, my native state. Save in defense of Virginia, I will turn my sword on none. A union that can only be held together by swords and bayonets has no charm for me. Mm. And there again, we get back to this idea that, you know, it should be done by people following their conscience, people, well, in terms of states, wanting to be part of the Union, not being held to the Union against their will. And I sometimes wonder, you know, if, if, if today, if in 2024, the election of 2024, there was some catastrophe, um, and 
say the southern states, for whatever reasons, had to pull out again. How many people today think the appropriate response, uh, let's say it's a, if Biden gets reelected, of a, a, a Biden administration, that their appropriate response would be to send tanks across the 14th Street Bridge that goes over the Potomac River linking Virginia and D.C. to blockade southern ports and carpet bomb southern cities. Right. Now, I would like to think it's not very many people. I'm less sure about that than it used to be. <laughs> but certainly, like, if you ask a conservative, suppose California and Oregon and Washington wanted to secede. Most conservatives would say, I speak as a native Californian. Uh, let him go. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> as a Californian myself, I mean, I've been here for parts of four decades, but I would concur with that. <laughs> if yeah, they I want mean, to, I go ahead. Most people's instinct is, yeah, if you don't want to be here, okay, fine. I mean, it, again, we think of the Union, strangely enough, as the Confederates did. <laughs> they thought that, hey, this should be a voluntary association of states. Hmm. And in fact, after the war, Lord Acton, who is the uh, famous British philosopher who gives us the phrase, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, he corresponded with Lee. And he told Lee, look, I mourn more for what was lost at Appomattox when Lee surrendered to Grant. Wow. Then I rejoice in what was won at Waterloo when Britain defeated mm-hmm. Napoleon. And he said that because he believed, this is Lord Acton believed, that secession was a necessary check on federal power in the American system. It was another check and balance. And that if, if, a, if, if the federal government had to keep all of the states in harmony, it had to give them a lot of leeway. It had to be very restrained in what it did. And that's a very interesting, I think, point of view, which you never hear at all in, anymore. But that's part of what the South was, was, was doing. If you look at the Southern um, Constitution, the Constitution of the Confederacy, it's practically like the American Constitution, with a few exceptions. Those exceptions are not reopening the international slave trade. That wasn't in there at all. Mm. <laughs> but it was like the, the president is limited to one term. <laughs> the central government has very limited authority. It's a very sort of, did I say, libertarian hmm. kind of inspired thing because the, the South was an agricultural society. It believed in free trade. It, it also believed in states' rights. And it was full of these hyper-individualistic people <laughs> who were darn right going to defend their homes and defend their rights. Hmm. Um, so it, the idea that, that, that somehow the Confederates were proto-Nazis is like about as far removed from reality as you can possibly be. Let me jump in and uh, remind you, you are listening to The American Veteran Show. This is author H.W. Crocker, his book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. We'll get more coming up in our next segment as well with Harry. But I want to ask you, uh, I don't even know if I should say I'm playing devil's advocate, but are you a Southern sympathizer from your history work? And would you, I don't know, would you have fought for the blue or the gray? Well, I have written books taking, um, I've also written a series of novels uh, based on the life of uh, George Armstrong Custer, who, was, who fought for the Union. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did so. And this is what makes it a tragedy. It, it would depend on your perspective, right? It would depend on where you were from. Uh, Custer was from the North. He was from Ohio and Michigan. Um, and he was a very loyal man when he took the oath that West Point, he believed that meant the Constitution, meant that the Union had to be preserved forever. But, but interestingly enough, Custer, given his sort of own sort of personality, at West Point was actually very palsy with the Confederates, mm. <laughs> or future Confederates, mm-hmm. because they had the same sort of, you know, gentlemanly, chivalric, gallant sort of attitude towards things. And in fact, during the war, during the war, <laughs> 
Custer attended the wedding of a Confederate officer in Virginia. Wow. <laughs> and flirted with the Southern Bells. It's why I, I once read a piece for a magazine called The American Spectator called Our Next Civil War Will Be Worse Than Our Last because these men, and Lincoln said this too, look, we worship the same God, we venerate the same Constitution, we're of the same, you know, we have, oh, share the same history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of which is not true today when you can't even agree on what a woman is, right? <laughs> 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 it's going to be much more vicious today, and that was, you know, this is the bloodiest war in our history. But, right. uh, but I, do, I do sympathize with the South in the way that those liberal historians that I mentioned earlier, because they are these kind of gallant underdogs, and they were fighting by their own lights for their freedom. They were fighting in their own lights. They're fighting for the same thing that they fought for in 1776. That's why George Washington is on the great seal of the Confederacy. Or to quote, one of the Confederate generals was a man named uh, Richard Taylor. Richard Taylor was the son of President Zachary Taylor. Hmm. And he said that all we fought for, I mean, all the slavery stuff keeps getting thrown at us, but no, not really. All we fought for was to have this, you know, the, to have this a voice in running our own affairs. All, you know, the same thing was fought for when we got Mag- the English got Magna Carta. Well, or when you know, Jefferson Davis was a senator when the when secession happened, he went back to Mississippi. He said his comment was, all we wanted to be is left alone. Yeah, let's uh, we'll wrap segment number two up here this week on the American Veteran Show when we come back. A little bit more on the leadership as we discuss with author H.W. Crocker, his book, Robert E. Lee on leadership, lessons in character, courage and vision. When we come back, I want to ask. Harry, about uh, what was the view from, say, Abraham Lincoln's perspective or Ulysses S. Grant when it comes to the man we're talking about today, Robert E. Lee? We'll have that next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. We continue our fascinating hour with author H.W. Crocker. His book, not a new release, it's been out for a couple of decades, but pick it up, find it online. Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. I really appreciate your time, Harry, as I I like to say. I like to do, sometimes on this program, a little bit of a mini-history lesson, and you're certainly providing uh, different perspectives on that. We keep talking about Robert E. Lee, and you've mentioned many, many fascinating little little, uh, nuggets that I certainly don't even know about, but when it comes to the man, in the Civil War, Robert E. Lee leading the South. What, what, what about his opposition? You know, you mentioned last segment about Appomattox, and I have seen uh, the desk where, you know, they, they end the Civil War. And I'm thinking you have these two men there, and they both love this country, though, for different ways and, and certainly more different regions. Maybe they love more than, than just, uh, you know, than, than maybe uh, Grant loving the South or, or uh, Lee loving the North. But they were Americans, whether people like to in 2023 thinking uh, they, they, they like to think that or not. These were American men. What was Grant's view of Robert E. Lee? Yeah, the Grant's view is actually really, I mean, actually, their views of each other are tremendous. Because this, I mean, the set piece of Appomattox is one of the great set pieces in American history. Yeah. And when Grant first gets word that Lee is going to surrender, this is, Grant says this. Grant says, you know, I was excited. I was, re- I was rejoicing that we had we've won. It's going to be over. And, but then he said when, when Lee comes in, he sees him. And, you know, Grant is, you know, this mud-bespattered kind of mm-hmm. guy. And Lee is dressed immaculately in a gray uniform with a red sash. He said when he sees this man, he, and he recognizes his nobility, and he remembers how well 
and brilliantly and courageously he and his men had fought, he felt melancholy. Hmm. He felt sad that Lee had been reduced to this state. Even though, as he adds, he disagreed completely with their cause. He thought, again, this is the old American view, that they had fought nobly and well. Uh, they, were not, they were not evil, bad men. Um, their cause was not the cause he wanted to win, and that was the wrong cause, but that's what he thought. And Lee reciprocated this feeling in a way. Lee would not let anyone after the war speak ill of Grant in his presence. Could you imagine, I mean, I don't ever want to see this in modern day, but could you imagine, I mean, we can't even get Republicans to say nice things about Republicans, and in many cases, (laughs) Democrats say nice things about Democrats, pretty much. No, and well, this is another thing that becomes famous about Lee after the war. I mean, he was, during the war, he was recognized as a military genius. After the war, and I mean immediately after the war, he is recognized as a man of, well, maybe re- Recognized in the South and maybe the North remembers, he's this man of sterling character, but also a man who works very hard in the last five years of his life to reconcile North and South mm. and, and to be a peacemaker. Now, he never, he never disparaged, not just Grant, he never you know, retracted his, his allegiance to Virginia or the Confederacy or any of that. He believed that what they had done was, was right. But, but... He, he, you know, the, it's been decided by the war. And so while he supported, he, this is a quote from me, he, he supported the, other, the most conservative pro-constitutionalist candidates he could. But he couldn't vote. His state was under martial law after the war. Hmm. He was, as I said, stripped of his citizenship. He lost everything. He lost all his money. He lost his land. He lost everything. Um, and uh, he, but he took an opportunity become president of a small college. And you have to remember that after the war, the South has lost, roughly speaking, a qu- a qu- say a quarter of its draft-age white males are dead. Wow. Two-thirds of its economy is gone up in smoke, destroyed. And so when Lee goes to Washington College and he accepts this offer of becoming president of the college, it has been reduced to four professors and 40 students. And in the course of five years, he turns this place around to build on its existing classical curriculum with all these new disciplines like engineering and business and farming, even journalism and law, and he has plans for a medical school, because he thinks these are the things the South needs to rebuild. And every man needs to do what he can to rebuild not just our region, but our country. You know, let me let me interrupt you right there, because I don't think I've ever asked a, uh, you know, a historian that I've had a chance to speak with that's an expert on on the Civil War and especially, you know, um, the post-war South. I know this may sound like a really basic question, Harry, but how long did it truly take to rebuild the South? <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> besides uh, besides the answer of well, some would say it's still rebuilding. If you know what I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I would think it would be easy to say uh, more than a hundred years. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because you know, the, 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 the after Reconstruction, the South it's still. I mean, you you can't lose that many men, and in fact, the sort of men they lost oftentimes the, the officer the, the officer corps took a tremendous beating, which meant a lot of your best and brightest were wiped out as well. Um, and it just it was it was a hard road back for them. Even before the war, of course, the South was 
not industrial like the North. It wasn't sure. commercial like the sure. North. It was, a, it was an agricultural um, republic. Yeah, I mean, you're the expert, not me, but I would say a century sounds right to me. Yeah. 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 Let me ask you about um, one of the premises of your book. Again, Robert E. Lee on leadership, author H.W. Crocker here on the American Veteran Show. You know, one of the things in, in the press materials that we get sent when we interview authors like yourself is, you know, there's some bullet points, et cetera. I'm wondering, you know, let's bring it to and in, in our final segment with you. I, I have a, a couple of different general questions as to, you know, like I want to know, do you think and don't answer now. But in our next segment, you know, do you think there could be another civil war in this country? We'll talk about that. We, we skirted around the issue a little bit in uh, an earlier segment today. But, you know, to the one of the premises of the book is, you know, that that what you write about in this historic figure um, could possibly lessons could be learned from today's modern leaders. I'm wondering, how do you put that into I have not read the book yet. So f- full disclosure there. But h- how do you put that into perspective for somebody listening to you going, hey, maybe I'm a leader, you know, in 2023. I have a team of people underneath me. I'm I, I consider myself a good leader. If they read this book, would they would they learn some examples? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I talk about how you can apply his lessons not only as a military officer, but in business, in your family life. I mean, Lee was a, was a tremendous father. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll tell you one quick story sure. on that, if I can, before the break, which is that this strikes me as one of these things that is really relevant today when we think about young people. One time, a woman held up a, an infant boy to... Uh, to leave for sort of his blessing, as it were. <laughs> Kissing and babies, said, yeah. What, what, what should I teach my son? And you would think someone today would say, you know, teach him self-esteem or teach him self-expression or, or teach him even that good boys don't make history. You know? <laughs> but here's what Lee said. Teach him to deny himself. Hmm. And that's because for Lee, the ultimate virtue was an approving conscience. And you got an approving conscience by doing your duty to the best of your ability and trusting that if you did that, God, in his providence over time, even though you might not see it in your own lifetime, would turn it to right. And that's how Lee got through, you know, some of the dark, the, some very dark times when he, as I said, lost everything. Um, he believed. In fact, there's a story, too, where Lee was walking around with a, a pastor after the war, and the pastors, you know, kind of, as some of those were prone to do, <laughs> refight the war, saying, if only we'd done this, sure. if only we'd done yeah. that, yeah. we could have won. And Lee said something along the lines of, yes, well, that's all very sad and perhaps to be regretted, but we can take solace in the fact that we did our duty to the best of our ability and left the results to God. Hmm. Author H.W. Crocker, his book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. We'll have one more segment with Harry as we wrap up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Again, sounds like a man of of character. And and doesn't it, friends listening, doesn't it sound just a little bit different? When you get different perspectives, and I'm all about that on our regular show and on this program as well, it's about different perspectives. And if you ask a certain group in 2023 of uh, maybe sadly a certain age, if you bring up the the name Robert E. Lee, you're going to hear something completely different from what you have heard so far this week on the American Veteran Show. We'll wrap things up coming up next again with author H.W. Crocker, his book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. Stephen Tubbs with you on this Sunday. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Now, back to The American Veteran Show 
Here's Stephan Tubbs. We conclude this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. As I like to say often, you know, it's part history lesson. And thank you to our wonderful guest, author H.W. Crocker, his book, Robert E. Lee on Leadership, Lessons in Character, Courage, and Vision. We've talked about a whole bunch of things. How about this? This is one of the uh, the press points uh, that uh, is in the press packet for this book. Winston Churchill said of Robert E. Lee, called him, quote, one of the noblest Americans who had ever lived, close quote. Um, Harry, that's that's something considering that Winston Churchill and Robert E. Lee, their paths did not cross. No, but actually there was another Englishman who did cross paths with Robert E. Lee. His name is Field Marshal Viscount Wolseley. And Wolseley was head of the British Army under Queen Victoria. He met Lee, and he said, and again, I'm paraphrasing here from memory, look, given my position, I have met many of the great men of my time. But only Robert E. Lee cast, struck me as a man being cast in a grander mold and made of a finer metal than other men. Wow. And you mentioned uh, Churchill earlier. I mentioned Eisenhower being an admirer uh-huh. of Lee. But another guy we should perhaps throw out is General George Marshall, right, of the Marshall Plan. Uh. General George Marshall went to VMI, where Stonewall Jackson taught, and VMI is right across the small green pathway from Washington and Lee University. And Marshall venerated Robert E. Lee. So there you have three of the greatest allied leaders of World War II, Churchill, George Marshall, Dwight David Eisenhower. Guess what? They all had Robert E. Lee as one of the greatest, noblest Americans greatest soldiers as well of all time. Wow. You know, I want to ask you this we'll kind of have a potpourri segment in our final segment with with you Harry. I I'm wondering we mentioned earlier in the program where you did, you know, gone with the wind. I'm wondering just I kind of think I know the answer to this. If if all of a sudden in 20 coming up in the fall of 2023 there is a book and we had never heard of of frankly my dear I don't give a damn. We've never seen Clark Gable as Rhett Butler, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. If, if, if this book, Gone with the Wind, drops in a few months, could it even succeed? Could that book, uh, or even go so far as to say the film, would those be written or made today? Could they be? Well, this actually, that's a very good point. I think a very frightening thing is yes. that we're getting to this, to this point where we cannot even tell the truth about our own history. Right? Oh. I mean, I have seen this. I mean, I've, I've talked about Lee and the Civil War for a lot, long time. But I will say, in, in, you, I saw, you know, like, like Henry would say, it's, it happened gradually, then it happened all of a sudden. But even among conservatives who are far more open to honesty about our history, mm-hmm. even a lot of them, maybe even the majority of them, want to dodge this subject. And that strikes me as both tragic, but also really self-defeating and dangerous. Because if you're not willing to defend your history, your past, the great men of your past, men who just, you know, 20 years ago um, might have been regarded as great. In fact, 30 years ago, they definitely were. You might remember the PBS series, Ken Burns' Civil War. Of course. Okay, this is PBS. (laughs) Ken Burns is a liberal. And who was the star of that show? The star of that show was a historian named Shelby Foote, who spoke with this wonderful Mississippi... And rest in peace, right? Yeah. Yeah. What a historian. His his hero was both Lee, but especially Nathan Bedford Forrest. Mm. And that was a national sensation, and everyone, again, could, could understand that, wow, what a dramatic, heroic, and sad time. 
But no, but the, this view that was all race, 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 all evil, evil, evil. Um, well, I was, think it's kismet that you bring up Shelby Foote because I was a huge yeah. fan back in the day. I don't know. I mean, we, we could spend another hour on this. I don't know if PBS allows Ken Burns to have a Shelby Foote in 2023 if they decided to do this. No, I don't think they do. I, mean, I don't either. This is, this is like, you know, again, this is, his, this is the memory hole. This is history going down. And, it's, and this, is what, this is part of the evil intent of the people who drive this agenda, is they want you to think your history is bad. They want you to think these things are unspeakable. But, and why do they want that? Because it closes minds. Uh, and, yep. and instead, instead of you wanting to talk with you about this and find out the truth, all they want to do is say racist, 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 because yeah. it's a simple answer. It makes them feel good. And, and if you talk to some people, it seems like, I don't know why it is. But you would think, I think Aristotle said, you know, one of the things that, that humans want is to learn, to know. Nowadays, I wonder about that, because they don't seem to want to learn or know the truth right. or nuance or perspective. They want, and you see this in journalism especially. 100%. I mean, even liberal reporters used to want to chase down the truth. Yep. Now it's all about the narrative. Now Ugh. it's all about being a willing propagandist. And I don't understand you're preaching, that. You're preaching to the choir, my yeah. man. Again, our, our guest, uh, author H.W. Crocker, the book Robert E. Lee on Leadership. Let me ask you, here. this is, uh, again, a, a kind of a potpourri segment. Did Robert E. Lee, despite the ups, the downs, and there were many, many downs, it looks like, and from what you've shared, there were many, many ups as well, and a man of upstanding character, et cetera. But was it a good life? No, I think it was a great life. And he, you, the only people you'd have to ask to affirm that were anyone virtually he came in contact with as a student, as a soldier, um, and his sons. Um, I mean, everyone who came into contact with Robert Lee, with rare exceptions, because everyone has their enemies, thought, my gosh, here is a great and noble man. And a man, I should say, who didn't wallow in, I mean, he was a man who, who again, lost everything. He never wanted to be a victim. He never wallowed in his circumstances. Mm. He also believed that part of duty was making the best out of what you could do within your circumstances. And so, you know, he actually wrote a letter to his son, one of his sons at West Point, saying, shake off those gloomy feelings. Look upon things as they are. Turn them to your advantage. And it was also that sort of mentality that was actually what made him a great military tactician and strategist. He recognized the war had, when the war began, the South had all sorts of disadvantages. Yeah. It had to raise an army from scratch. It didn't have the economic power or the industrial power, or any of these things that North had. They had to win quickly. They could not endure a long war. So he, he, he couldn't play the odds. So he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and, he, and, he, and he pitted his daring, his well-planned daring, um, against generals in the in the for the most part in the union army who did play the odds and who and even with the odds stacked in their favor were beaten again and again and again and again until finally grant kind of just beat lee down beat lee down so so much that at the end of the war one of grant's uh staff officers i can't remember what his name offhand is but he even remarks he, it's kind of like grant did what grant said he felt he felt melancholy at seeing his defeated foe. Yeah. This Union officer feels a similar sort of melancholy because he, he says, all we've done is just exhaust them. How, how much better it would have been if we could have had some climactic battle like Gettysburg and won 
and destroy that. I mean, yeah, instead, it wasn't all like done that. Is just yeah. beating these people down. Yeah. Uh, as we wrap up, this is probably unfair to you, so I'm going to admit that uh, <laughs> going into this question. We only have about a minute left. But in about a minute, your answer to this simple, horrible question, and that could be, do you think there could be another civil war in this country? I think it is possible. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think it'd be far worse fought with less mercy, um, at least on less one side. Less mercy. Wow. Because, well, I mean, you think of, uh, if, you know, if, you're, if you're pitted against the left, the left is not very merciful. <laughs> <laughs> the left is all about forcing you to conform. They don't want to leave you alone. That's part of the whole thing. Yeah. And as the left becomes less Christian, I mean, mercy is a Christian virtue. Mercy is not a pagan virtue. And I fear that it would be a horrible, brutal thing. But, I agree. Um, I agree. But, you know, it, I think it is possible. I have thoroughly enjoyed this hour. I hope it was uh, as good for you as it was for you know all of us uh, that, that are able to listen to you. And I wish you the best of luck, even though it's not a brand new one. Find this online. Get it from Regnery Publishing. Robert E. Lee on leadership. It's author H.W. Crocker. I look forward to talking with you again. I'd love to have you on our regular show. Great. Thank you much. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. That wraps up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show for our producer, Michael Arpaio. I'm Stephen Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead, and remember our troops. The American Veterans Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more- Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. I'm Margot Robbie, and I play Barbie. And I'm Ryan Gosling, and I play Ken. Max is now the exclusive streaming home of Barbie. So cool. And the Max with Ads plan is included with your Cricket $60 Unlimited plan at no additional cost. Log in with your Cricket username and password to experience Max on all your favorite devices. This is the best day ever. It is the best day ever. Don't miss Barbie, now streaming on Max. Phone plan streams in standard definition. Programming subject to change. These terms and restrictions apply. See CricketWireless.com for details.